Welcome to the DHG podcast series with a focus on life beyond numbers with topics about people, careers and flexibility. And now, here's your host, our Director of Corporate Communications and All Things Fun, Alice Gray Harrison. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our DHG podcast series. I'm Alice Gray Harrison, your host, and you know I love this venue because we get to hear from all of our people about the things that matter most to them, flexibility, careers, and people. And today I have a very, very special guest with me. I am in Charleston, South Carolina at the DHG Leadership Conference for College Students, and I have one of our keynote speakers here, Natalie Stavis. And I'm super excited that I get a few minutes alone with Natalie to ask some questions that I have after our presentation with her. So Dr. Natalie Savas was approaching the finish line of the Boston Marathon in 2013. This would have been her fifth Boston Marathon, and that is when the marathon bombings occurred, and she heard the explosions and was very, very close to the finish line. And I'm pretty sure that I would have run in the other direction, but Natalie did not, and she ran towards the ravaged streets. And was very instrumental in triaging what was happening with the wounded. And she actually was recognized for her bravery and honored by President Obama and named the 2013 Bostonian of the Year by the Boston Globe. And so I'm super, super excited to talk with her. Welcome, Natalie. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so my first question for you, since we know that I would run away, what made you run towards Well, I think for me, it was a combination of a few things that made me run towards it. I was far enough away, I was 800 meters away from the bombings that I could see what happened. And I was close enough that I could get there. So it was kind of that perfect combination where I have a medical background and I have training in trauma and I was not so close that I was injured or at risk of being injury, but I was at that perfect critical moment where I was at a point where I knew I had to make a choice and we knew that it was a, we we didn't know it was a terrorist attack at a time, but we knew that something horrible had and was happening. And You know, it's really interesting. I remember so distinctly that moment when I stopped and asked myself that question, do I run into this chaos and see what I can do? Or do I turn and run the other way with the swarms of people that were running away from the bomb, screaming things like active shooter, a sniper, gunman, no one really knew what was happening. And in that moment, which seemed like an eternity at the time, I remember thinking, I have to run towards this. I I have to do everything in my power to somehow help what's going on in this situation. And that moment was only an instinct, but I ran towards it as fast as I could um, after running 26 miles. <laughs> and, you know, it, it dramatically changed my life. Absolutely. I can't even imagine... What happens when you close your eyes for months and months after experiencing something like that? So one of the things that stuck out to me today when when I listened to your presentation was you talking about y'all grabbing just whatever was around you to apply tourniquets. And will you talk a little bit about that scene? 
So yeah, when I arrived at the scene, you know, I've never been in combat before. I've never been in a mass casualty situation like that before. And I remember when I arrived at the scene, I had to ask myself, you know, this question. I, I arrived at the second bomb scene and I had to ask myself this question that I remember so vividly is how am I going to bring somebody back from the dead? And we had such limited supplies in that moment that we were taking our shirts off of our back, grabbing whatever supplies we could find. People were taking their belts off. They were using pants. And, you know, I really, you know, my heart kind of tugs every time I think about this and the courage of all the first responders that ran into this and were innovative and were active and were creative in the use of the supplies that we had around us until the first EMS people actually showed up. And it is a real testament, at least to me, into the human spirit and into courage and into when you really boil things down. And, you know, there's so much talk right now about how horrible things are and the environment and the political turmoil that's going on and the crises in the world. And I think a lot of times, you know, it takes experiences when you really boil a crisis like this down is people are good and people are kind and people were giving it their all in this situation with the little that we had to salvage what we could of people's limbs to pump life back into people who uh, took the brunt of the impacts. Um, and that's really what stands out to me that day above everything else, the carnage and the blood and, and the limbs and the smell and the fear, you know, all of that is actually kind of washed away over time with the courage and the tremendous human spirit that we saw mm. come into action. And that to me is now what stands out as time has moved forward. Yeah. And, and you speak a lot about courage and, and spoke about courage to us today. So I'm going to ask you, what do you do to muster up that courage and get over a fear of failure when you're in a situation like that, or even just everyday life, trying something new, speaking on a stage? So I think the fear of failure is very real. And I think the thing about the fear of failure is to recognize it and to recognize that it is a universal fear. Everyone has it. And not to be discouraged by that. You know, today a student asked me a question and I used the, the quote, courage is not the absence of fear. Having courage is by no means means you're fearless. Having courage means you feel the fear, you understand the fear, and you give it your all anyway. And I think that's a really important concept for people to understand is fear is real. Fear is inherent. But taking that and wrapping your mind about it and realizing that there's ways to address it actually allows you to be a courageous human being. Mm. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Okay. So 
I want to ask you about another thing that you talked about. You talked about your work with Soul Train and for Dixon Hughes Goodman, giving back to our communities is so very important. And so that touched me a bit and I thought it was the coolest concept. Tell us about Soul Train and your work with Soul Train. So Soul Train is a nonprofit inner city running organization out of Boston. And the goal of Soul Train is to seek out high risk youth. So youth who are struggling in some way, some of the youth maybe are homeless or in the foster care system or are struggling with school or have lived on the street, even some who've been incarcerated before, teenage parents, you know, a variety of reasons that a young adult or a child would be struggling. And so what Soul Train does is we we reach out to these children, we find these children, and we give them a pair of running shoes. And we say, we are going to be your running mentor. And we're going to set goals. And one of your goals is going to be to run the Boston Half Marathon. And almost universally, the youth will say something along the lines of, that's impossible. And what we like to do with Soul Train is we like to use the phrase, we are going to teach you how to deconstruct impossible by setting bigger than self goals. So Soul Train is non-competitive, but And the goal of every kid in Soul Train is not just to get themselves across the finish line, but it's to get every other runner across the finish line. So as the youth in Soul Train start to participate and start to run and then realize that through perseverance, through resilience, and through basically dedication to themselves and each other, they are able to accomplish extraordinary things such as running a half marathon. And the really the amazing thing is, is their accomplishments in running start to transcend their into other mm. aspects of their whole life. So we see them not only running, but doing better in school, improving their moods, getting off of some of their medication, setting wow. dreams and goals that go beyond just the half marathon that but actually go beyond into life such as setting dreams and goals for colleges wow and so we really see a transformation amongst these youth and it's so simple so cool. it's so simple right it's a pair of running shoes yeah and a safe and supportive environment to run in wow that is so cool okay so you give you i mean i listen to your credentials you guys can go online and, and look her up amazing. You give so much to so many people. And I look at people like you and I think to myself, how do they do this? How do they even find time to take care of themselves? So what's a tip that you can offer to others on caring for yourself? So self-care is very important. There's a a pretty well-known phenomenon that's actually called compassion fatigue or caring fatigue. It's It's when you are an individual, like, you know, all the youth that we saw here today in the audience, there are all these courageous, compassionate, energetic people, and they want to do it all, all the time. And that's when you run the risk of, if you care so much all the time, 
unless you're, I guess, Mother Teresa, um, <laughs> having compassion fatigue. And that's when you start to burn out. That's when it starts to become difficult. And that's when you start to lose that sense of purpose and that sense of why you're doing what you're doing. And when you start to lose your sense of purpose, you really start to lose your passion. Mm-hmm. And so multiple of the conference attendees actually came up to me afterwards today and said, how do I resist this? How do I take care of myself while taking care of the people around me? And I was very honest with them. I said, the struggle is quite real. This is a clear and true struggle that many people face. And really one of the ways to combat it is just to be cognizant of it. Mm to be aware that it exists and to be aware that it's okay to feel the fatigue as long as you address it. So as long as you take some time for yourself, it's it's okay to take a day. It's okay to take a week if you need it. It's not a failure. You know, we have these going back to the fear of <laughs> failure. People think failure is caring for yourself. Right. Like people have this belief that Taking care of yourself means you've failed at everything else. And so what I try to do, especially with young people emerging into this incredibly chaotic and intense workforce and world that we live is really find what you enjoy in life. Find what brings you pleasure. And it's going to be different for everyone. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's art. Right? Maybe it's yoga. Find what that is and hold on to that and don't let that go no matter what. You know, when I was a medical resident, we worked countless hours a week and I saw many of my co-residents give up what they loved, give up their love of art or their love of the outdoors or their love of music and just kind of succumb to the grueling day-to-day activity. And I made a commitment to never give up running. And no matter what I did, that that would ground me. And I was actually the only resident in the entire program who ran the Boston Marathon every single year that I was a medical resident. And I use that as an example because I did not give up one thing that I found pleasure in. And I think because of that, that was my form of self-care. And I didn't burn out and I remain very happy throughout my medical residency. Wow. that's Those are really, really inspiring words. Well, I feel like I'm so fortunate that we had these few minutes with you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And, and thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your story. You have a great story, and I know that everyone here loved having you with us. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to our Life at DHG podcast series. If you like what you heard, I hope you'll tell your friends and colleagues. And be sure to check out our DHG blog for more great stories about our life beyond numbers. Join us next time for another edition of Life at DHG. Life at DHG.